0: Okay, Nesivah Shalom. Parshas Mishpatim. So, Parshas Mishpatim, we know is always a little bit of a it's a harsh change of 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 scenery. We have the parshas, especially of Shmays Ve'era It's the the miracles of all of the of the of the of going out of Mitzrayim of the, of the Geula from Mitzrayim, and then we come to Mishpatim and we get into very technical halachas, beginning with Eved Ivri, which itself is a very strange set of halachas. So it always always, uh, always requires a little bit of thought. How do we change gears? And But also, more than that, why would the Torah do that? Uh, you know, we're used to, when we get to the Parshas in Vayikra, we're used to drier topics, you know. But Mishpatim, it seems like we're so... Al-Pi by in a lot of the Chassidish they, they work with trying to figure out what in Mishpatim, they're not just halachas of monetary halachas, but the home in mishpatim deals with monetary halachas. It's all about damages and <laughs> and, and, and uh, various different uh, economic economic halachas. There's an interesting Gemara. You'll see on the sheet, the first Gemara, I just quoted it. The Gemara tells us in Baba Kama, those who are doing the Afyaymi, this was about two months ago. Um, actually today it's Sadihei, so 65 days ago. This would have been 64 days ago. So the the Gemara tells us a very uh, strange thing. Now, I'm, I put the whole piece of the Gemara there because we're going to come back to the first part later, but we'll just read it the way it's read. Tanur Chasidim HaRishonim Hayyum Atzniyan Ketsoyaseim Uzuchuchayseim B'Saychstoseyam That the Chasidim HaRishonim, and it's important to note the word, I should have bolded it, Chasidim, that the Gemara is identifying early Chasidim this is before the Baal Shem Tov. so now what we 're used to consider calling Hasidim, although. Many of them probably are also chasidim, But this is talking about chasidim, And we'll see. The receiver Shalom is going to explain to us what a real chassid is. So chasidim or used to hide their thorns. They would have thorns in the field. And their glass. They would have sharp glass. They would hide it in their fields. <speaking> in <Hebrew> they would bury them three tvachim deep. <speaking in Hebrew> so that it wouldn't hurt other people's plows. People wouldn't get damaged by them. Okay. That Gemara we're going to come back to. The uh, Gemara not He would burn them in a fire. He didn't even want them around at all. He would, he would throw them into the Tigris River. He didn't want them around. Okay, now the Gemara says an interesting thing. I'm Yehuda. If somebody wants to be a chassid, if you want to be a chassid, you should keep the halachas of Neziken. And we know that there's a seder in Shas called Nazikin. But Nazikin generally, more, more when we get to the specifics of it, deal with damages. Baba Kama is mostly about Nazikin. It's about damages. People, somebody damages somebody else. What's he for? The entire Masachat of Baba Kama, uh, is, is dealing with that. Uh, Rava says, if you want to become a Chassid, you should learn Perkeavas, Avos. And... V'amri others said, me lead the brachas. You should learn brachas. The, halachas of the brachas. So the Nasiva Shalom, the Rebbe asks the following question, which really everybody who learns this Gemara has this question. The first paragraph there, and I, we won't read the entire piece inside, but we'll read certain lines as it's kedai to read. So the, he quotes this Gemara, and he says, he doesn't understand. He says, if you look in the middle of that first prayer, If I were to ask you, if you didn't see this Gemara, like if you wanted to work on yourself, what things should you learn? You want to become a Chassid? We'll see, he's going to define, in the third paragraph, he'll define what a chos is. But if I want to work on myself to become a higher, a more elevated type of person, so avos and brachus makes some sense, right? us, we know, us is all about midos. Brachus is always thanking Hashem, always thinking about Hashem. It's always acknowledging that everything comes from Hashem. So we understand why those are things that were, but damages... Why are, the, why are the halachas of damages or to live your way life, being careful about damages, why is that something that makes somebody a chassid? So that's his question. First of all, why is it different than any other monetary halachas? Why is it any different than loans? Why is it any different than... And, and also, why is it really any different than any other mitzvah? Medina? Medina. And what he's saying here, chiyuv Medina, is what, what is damages? I accidentally. My cow went into your field and gored your cow, right? It's not Amidas Hasidas that I now pay you for the damage that my cow caused. I should have watched my cow better, right? So I owe you that money. If I damage something of yours, I owe you that money. It's not Amidas Hasidas, it's the basic rule of law. Every society in the world needs those kinds of rules Otherwise, the society can't function. You need to be. If you do something, if you if put it in today's day, if I if I was pulling out of a parking spot and I wasn't being so careful and I hit your car, I have to pay for the damage to your car. I mean, it's, that's not it's not a me this That's the basic rule of law. So that's the, what's the, the Rebbe's bothered by. See, he says, So if you think about this, He says, We know that the first mission in Baba Kama tells us, "Arba There are four categories of damagers. Now, obviously the Gemara, if you've learned the beginning of Baba Kama, has many different opinions on what these things are, but we're going to go with the basic, simple, straightforward understanding, which is, we have the shar, an ox that does damage, right? So if my ox does damage to your animal. The habar, or if I dug a pit and your animal fell into the pit, or you fell into the pit. hamave, which we, which the Gemara, at least according to one opinion, is shane. My animal goes into your field and eats your cabbage patch, right? So it, it, it destroyed your cabbage patch. Vaheverh, or I lit a fire and the fire got out of control and it spread to the next field and uh, did damage. So he says, arba elu mechuvonim, so... That, that's very nice that those are four level, types of Neziken, but what, what are they? What do they correspond to? These are four methodologies of the Yetzihara, four ways in which the Yetzihara gets us to do an Avera. See, if a person is acting complete, completely rational, we would never do an Avera. The Gemara even says that if only a person only doesn't Avera, if there's a mili if there, if there's a if there's rach that goes into his head right if there's some kind, if we were being completely rational if we could be hundred percent rational all the time we would never do anything wrong we would do only those things that are in our best interest and that's to serve Hashem and not to do an avera so what is the Yetzirah? what are his tools how does he get us to this point where we don't act rational? we're generally rational human beings most of us. M- Make make uh, reasoned decisions. We don't we don't just act on whims. So how does the Eitzar? What does he do? So he has four major weapons that he uses against us. It's a, that these are found within a person. Hashar and each of these is hinted to in one of these four us neziken. Hashar Meram is algeus, the ox that uh, hints to arrogance. Arrogance. We know that when a person is arrogant, right? a person is 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 feels that he's better than other people, or he feels that he's superior, or he just feels that he's he deserves more than others. That leads him to make, make poor choices. Arrogance. I don't think it needs a lot of explanation. We understand that arrogance does not lead always to the to the, to the best decisions. He says he quotes a Shemais Rabbah that that Chazal say Gei Asha shar. The most arrogant of the animals is the ox. So Shar represents arrogance. The Sahara convinces you you don't have to worry about this guy so much, or you don't have to worry about, these halachas were not meant for you, you're better than that, right? Your, your person has arrogance. By contrast, what's the opposite tool that he uses? Is habar, the pit, which is, in yonah biyush, when a person feels there's no hope, right? He feels like he's in a deep pit. A person feels hopeless i've messed i have messed up so many times. what's the point of even trying anymore or nothing's going right? I'm not even gonna bother trying right these types of these types of of concepts a person feels like he, it's a waste. I, I, I'm never going to get it right. Everything I've, I've messed up. Everything. It's never going. It's never going to work. Shazemivu kfar This, if you have learned any of the torahs of Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman Yish, we know that Rabbi Nachman uh, uh, was Yish. He considered he considered it to be the worst mida because when a person gives up, so he's not in the fight anymore. He doesn't. He, he just. He just doesn't feel like like fighting. So that's the A second tool. What's the third one? Hamav is a Hashein. This is the when the animal eats, right? Eating, Shane is eating. Shane literally means a tooth. A person knows anybody who's ever tried to diet or if it had any kind of issues, we know, rationally I know I should not have that piece of cake. I could I don't need I don't need all the bar charts or the, I know that I'm not I shouldn't have that third piece of cake by Kiddish on Shabbos. And yet, I find myself eating the third piece of cake. Why is that? Because I have a very strong taiva for achila. The, 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 the taiva, the, the desire for eating, especially, it doesn't even have to be necessarily an aver, but we know it's unhealthy for us. Very, most, many of the problems that, human, that the human, humankind deals with is because people don't eat properly. Well, we all do it, and that's just something that, it's not rational, because rationally I know, if you, and even if you ask the person, as he's reaching for the piece of cake, he knows I should not eat that. But, but he does, why? Because that's one of the powers of the The Vahever, what's that fire? Marum a is the taiva sheyitzhara boyer boy. And then we know that there are other taivas that burn within us, with a, with a fire, and they make us not think rationally. Right? When a person gets caught up in something that he wants to do, even if he knows again rationally that it's not, it's not good for him. By the way, these all apply not only when we talk about about mitzvahs and averas, but even like good decisions and bad decisions in life, you can almost trace every bad decision to one of these four, right? Something consumes me. it It could even be something innocuous, but I get consumed. You see people, they get consumed with, I have to have this thing, even though it really makes no sense. Why do you need that thing? What's it going to do for you in your life? But it becomes now like this mission and everything else gets blocked out. That comes from fire. That's like a fire that burns within us. So these four things are the way the Yetzirah gets us to not use the rational brain and to use... To, and to give in to Taiva. This is the source of all evil. Anything, any poor decision, any bad act that we do comes from one of these four or a combination. Some, it very often can be a combination of them. Right? So therefore now, the Rebbe says, what were the words of the Gemara? The one who wants to be a chosid. If you want to really be a chassid, which right now we're translating as somebody who wants to serve Hashem on a high level. But we'll see exactly what the word chassid comes from. And he has to keep these ideas on the These four things are represented in damages. So the person has to, he has to uproot these four things, these four th- ways that the Yetzirah gets to him. Okay, but we'll see a little bit more. So he says, beer high have a He says, Why specifically chasidah the Gemara could have said somebody wants to be a tzaddik, somebody wants to be be a good person, right? Why chasidah he says the chosid who uh chasid comes from the word chesed. Right, we see that just with an extra yud, but the word chesed is based on the word chesed. See, the chesed who chesed who isha chesed. So when I do something, when I give the guy who's coming around collecting, I give him a dollar, that's an act of chesed. Right? If I'm a person who is a person who is who acts constantly with chesed, that makes me a chesed. Somebody who is a an ish chesed, he's going to explain. It's not just that I do Occasional acts of chesed. But if I'm a person who is a man of chesed, then I become a chesed. This is a person whose entire essence is all about doing good and chesed for other people. He's obsessed with it, right? He lives chesed. He lives chesed. I was going to give the example, Rabbi Zach's not paying attention. So like the Zakatinskis, you know. I was going to, right. They live chesed. They look their whole life. How could I do more chesed? Everybody does. Every Jew does chesed. But there are there are people who are they live chesed. Everything is an opportunity. I have such a friend like this in Eretz Yisrael. If he has like a day where there's nothing to do, he's he's literally like running around trying to find things ways to, ways to do chesed. Eretz Yisrael, you, you, it's more obvious. I wouldn't say that there's, there's not people like that here, but it, it's more obvious when you see certain people in Eretz Yisrael that their whole life is, is what can I do? For, what can I do for somebody else? That makes a person a chesed. Because of this, because this is the driving, I think I just chased them away, but because this is the driving force in his life. All he wants is more and more chesed. He is considered a chesed, and he's always looking for chesed. So if you want to be a chesed, you want to be a chesed. Doesn't mean there's plenty of good people who want to do good deeds. They want to do mitzvahs but they, 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 they're longing to do chesed, right? They, they, they're, this is somebody who wants to be a chesed, not just that he wants to be a good person, but he wants to be a chesed. He wants to be somebody who's consumed with chesed. He wants his entire essence of who he is to be somebody who does good. Which will lead him to be to be somebody who's always looking for, to do what's right and what's straight in the eyes of Hashem. So, so this is a famous, famous claw of the maral that the Mesut Shalom himself quotes many, many times. That there's three ways. If a person wants to be complete, you could have people who are good in different areas. What, what does it take for a person to be complete, to be shalim? So he says, you need the, the Indian hashlamas koil gimel chalakim. There's three relationships, three ways, three areas in a person's life that he has to be complete with in order to be a really complete person. Shalom bein First of all, you have, your relationship with Hashem has to be in good shape, right? Your relationship with Hashem has to be on, in good standing. Shalom You have to be good with other people. You have to you have to you have to take care of other people, help people out when they need help. Uh, be, be, be kind to people, yeah, that's the relationship. And then, which sometimes is the hardest, to be at peace with himself, to be to be okay with, with oneself. So he says, if a person accomplishes completing himself in all three of these areas, then he's a complete, then he's completely complete. So he says, this is, we started the Gemara, that there were three things, we had three different opinions of what a person should do if he wants to be a Chassid either Neziken, Avos, or Brachas. He says, that's these three things. That he, if a person wants to be a Chassid, he needs to work on these three areas, and that's what's hinted to, to, to in these three topics, as he's going to explain now. So number one, he's going to explain the one that we started talking about based on the Arba Avos Neziken, which is Rabbi Yehudah, so the first opinion we saw in the Gemara is you have to be Mekayim, you have to keep all of the things of so he says, This is the area, very obviously, right, clearly that I have to be good with my fellow. If my, I have to, I have, my ox shouldn't gore his ox. If it does, I have to pay him. That's interpersonal relationships. Now he says, but don't make the mistake that this is after I did damage. After my ox did damage, so now I'm going to pay the guy. That's what we said before in the Rebbe's question, that that's just the basic rule of law. If I damaged you, I have to pay you. Here he's saying, that's not what we mean here. That's not what we mean here. That I have to, where we just had this in the Gemara a few days ago in Dafyamim, in that besides having to pay the guy back, you also have to ask for Mechila, because you damaged him. That's not Hasidus. Right? That's the basic rule of law. That's the, that you, that you owe him. A person who wants to be a chassid means he, he goes to, to lengths to make sure that he never, he's never in that position to harm somebody else. He doesn't want to just fix it once I harmed somebody. He wants to make sure that he never harms somebody. Which is the Gemara that we started with. That was what the Gemara was introduced with. They used to bury the thorns and the glass or throw it into the fire or throw it in the river. They would bury it three deep. Why? They didn't have to. The halacha doesn't require that you have to b- uh, bury your thorns three tfachim in the ground. You could leave your thorns in certain places, but then there's a chance somebody will get hurt. And Halacha will require then that you have to pay for that. But they don't want to take that chance. I don't want to even come to the possibility of harming somebody else. They don't want to cause any pain or any kind of any kind of uh, worry or anything to, to another person. Therefore, somebody who wants to be a chassid, he has to be mekayim, not just keep the halacha, but he has to be mekayim, he has to go to the to, the of the zaken, to make sure he doesn't hurt anybody. And he says, Be careful not to harm your friend, friend's money. Certainly not his body. Not even by speech, not even an insult, not even, a, not even any, something negative. Or anything, these people run away from anything that might possibly cause any kind of pain or, or discomfort to another human being. That's how we get one the second category that we mentioned before of shalom M'chaverev, that a person is complete with other people and he's good with other people. This is a person who lives his life. I, what, I, I want to take as much precaution as possible not to not to possibly hurt another another human being okay then the, now we go to the second one so that was the Ziken. what was the second one it was avas we said learning of us so what relationship is that so of us who that's yourself and we'll explain here, because it sounds some, a little bit similar, but he says, What is Ovis about? If you learn perfectly Ovis, right? Most of us learn between Pesach and Shavuos, and then some go till, till, uh, till after the summer, right? It's about Midas. It's about the proper way for a person to act. How do you become whole and okay with yourself? Now this may be something that's not going to affect anybody else. If I could have certain bad midas that will never hurt any, that may not ever hurt anybody else. Right? but they're not good Midas. How do you come to Shlemus? By fixing those Midas. Like for example, right? In Perkei it says that these three things take a person out of the world. Kinnah is jealousy, Taiva, and Kavod. They take a person out of the world. Now, they may not affect anybody else because I may not act on them. Right? So I could spend my entire life being jealous of my next door neighbor because he has something that I want. Now, so long as I don't act on it, I don't do anything because of that jealousy. It doesn't affect him. He's not going to be hurt by that. But from I'm not shalom with myself. It could eat me alive, right? With the, 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 the uh, I forget where it is, but the kin is referred to as the wreck of Hatzum. It rots the bones, right? Because it could eat, it literally, we say in English, it eats you alive, right? It literally can eat you alive. Same thing with taiva. A person could be obsessed with taivas. He, he doesn't act on it. So it's not a problem between him and Hashem. And it's not a problem between him and other people because he's not acting on it. But it could de- he can't it could destroy. He has no peace of mind. He has no he has no way of working on himself. And the same thing with COVID, right? There are people who are who are obsessed with COVID. They have to get COVID. Now they may not say anything to anybody if they don't get the COVID. But they go home and they cough, and it bothers them, right? And it it, it it upsets them. Why did that guy get an aliyah? Why did he get called up for 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 an award? Why right? It eats him alive. Now it doesn't necessarily affect anybody else. I mean, nobody else may even know about it. He just but it's so unhealthy. It's very it's very unhealthy. That's why it takes a person out of this world because it eats him up. It doesn't have to affect anybody else. It's between him and himself. But when a person is obsessed with these things, when jealousy is eating at him, when tithe is eating, he can't learn properly. He can't daven. It takes over the brain. So if he doesn't work on avas, and his midas are not great. You have other ones also. Anger. Or now. So maybe he learned that he doesn't show it around other people. He doesn't, he doesn't exercise his anger by yelling at other people. But but he gets home and he's he's screaming at the wall, right? It's it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And atzvos, which is which is depression, atzlas laziness, right? These are things that may not affect anybody else, but they're not they're not healthy for the person and does not help him grow in serving Hashem. He's not he's not. Complete with his, himself. He quotes his Rebbe, who was also—I I forgot from the original Sheer how he was marri- how he was related, but he was also a Rebbe. He says <inaudible> What? He a like son-in-law system. or yeah something or maybe grandson? Something. Yeah, he was he was married into the family, but he was also he was his top yeah yeah so he was a Talmud Muvuk. when I, the first year we gave a couple of months ago, I did the whole Yichas, but I don't remember it all so well but he was he was also his Talmud Muvak. he wrote up a lot of the base of rums, a lot of what we have from the base of rum the Nesiv had written up from, from his Rebbe. So, um, so, it says in the Pasuk that you, the, you should bring the matters of dispute in your gates. And the way he explains it is, in your own gates, that inside of the gates of your heart, there are struggles that are going on. There are these disputes going on. Right? The brain understands the right thing. But the heart wants... Want something else? The heart and the brain, right? I think it was the Kutzker, or I think some quoted from Rasim Bonim of Pshischa, who was the Kutzker's Rebbe, that a man spends 120 years on this planet trying to travel one ama, right, from here to here. That's our whole job in life is to try to travel from the brain to the heart, to try to get them on the same page. Right? They're always they're always in conflict. Um, and then what happens, after the heart and the, and the uh, mind fight it out, and they decide on the course of action, which very often is not the right course of action, then the limbs of the body, they're just the messengers who carry it out, right? But, they're, but it's really, it's being decided between the mind and the heart. It says in the baatsmi. Now, Ba'atzmi means, like, in myself, also means in my bones, like, I'm not at peace in my bones, which matches what we said about kina that it's the wreck of HaTzama, it rots the bones. I'm not complete, or I'm not at peace with my complete and peace also. Both of the words, shalom shalom right? So it's, it, I'm not complete in my bones, I'm not complete in who I am. He's missing that element of himself. He's not at peace. When he's not the way he's supposed to be, so he's missing completion. He can't be happy, Right? If a person does not have peace of mind, he can't be happy. You need to have peace of mind is, is, a, is a very big, it's probably the biggest prerequisite for being happy, for being to be able to be some. A person has to have peace of mind. And his life is not, is not a life because the neshama is a piece of Hashem from above. be It's constantly pointing out your, your shortcomings to you, the neshama and it's hard for a person to be at peace when he's not, when he hasn't worked on himself. Okay, so that's two. So we've explained already the relationship with others, the relationship with himself, and now brachas, which is the third, right? So we said Nizikin is your inter- interpersonal relationships. Um Avoice is your relationship with yourself. And now Bracha is your relationship with Hashem, which we mentioned at the beginning, relatively obvious. That's your that's being okay and complete with Hashem. What is a bracha generally? I'm about to drink this, this drink, I make a shahakal, I'm acknowledging that even though it looks like, if, if, you looked, if you went through the, if you did it, brought in a forensic accountant, I went to work last week, I got a paycheck, I deposited the money in the account, I took my credit card, I bought the drink, and I paid, doesn't seem like it has a lot to do with Hashem, but bracha is me stopping for a second and saying, Ah, but I know, I recognize that ultimately all of that came from Hashem. That's what a bracha is supposed to do. Okay, not not going to ask how we make brachas. We're not going to discuss it. How, we, but that's what a bracha is spo- supposed to do, right? It's supposed to be us stopping for a minute, for a second, for five seconds, and saying, you know, despite all the things that it looks like. I know, I recognize that this is from you, and thank you, Hashem, that I that that I have the, that I have this drink, this cold drink on a hot day, okay, right? The hinei v'hanozu he shalakosh baruchu. It all belongs to Hashem baruchu. The hana that I'm going to have by drinking this thing v'anoisomay with two be l'hanas mi'mano. He gave us from His goodness that we can enjoy it. Barayu mechuyev la'hoidas Hashem levaruchel and hanozu. And therefore I'm mechuyev. I'm obligated to thank Hashem and to bless Him for this hana. Val yedazehu misakenes achila she'ochel. Therefore I am able to lift up and to fix the, 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 the very um, physical act of eating. Eating is a very physical act, right? We know what the body does with the food. It's a very base physical act. We're able to lift it up and attribute it to Hashem. And I'm able to take any hanah that I have with a bracha. That's why we make brachas on a lot of things. Even mitzvahs we make brachas on, right? But that's it. Fine. He quotes here, and I just put it on the bottom of the page, if anybody wants to see it, that he quotes from the Marsha. The Marsha says something very much along this line, along these lines. If we have him two minutes at the end, you could see the Marsha was much earlier than the Nesiva Shalom. I mean, he said the Marsha says very b'kitsar and doesn't go through all this detail, but he, he he shows a basis from the Marsha. He says, So by taking all three, so what he's saying is that the Gemara is not, it's not a machoikis. Rav Yehuda said nizikin, right? Rava said avos, and then there were others who said brachas. It's not. It's not a, a machleikus. You need all three for a person to be complete you need all three. He says now we can explain another way, but it's really not another way. It's really he's just he's just going to draw it together very beautifully now. By the way, in the Nesivos Shalom, if you ever like. The problem is sometimes you don't know what he's talking about. But, like, take any piece in the of the Siv read the last two, three paragraphs, and you get, the, you get that powerful hug and that powerful punch, you know? But it's, the problem is that very often you need the whole beginning of the piece to understand what he's talking about, the last three, three, three paragraphs. But... He puts it always, he always packages it so nicely, very often with Shabbos, as we've seen here a few times. But he says, so what is the Gemara talking about? We know the famous Bryce of Rav Pinchas Ben-Yoyer that Mesil is, Sharm that is based on, right? That we have all the different things that bring, the different Madregas that bring the higher ones. So the third highest Madrega is Sha'acha Madregas Kedusha. Higher than Kedusha Tahara, minus Madregas HaChasidus. Chasidus comes just before Ruach HaKodesh and Tchias Amesim, But Chasidus is pretty much the highest. Ruach HaKodesh you need to get from from Hashem. I mean, he talks about there also, but Chasidus is higher than Kedusha, Tahara. He says, Chasidus is higher. Being a chassid, in the true sense of the word, as he explained, the person who lives chassid is even higher than being a tzaddik, right? Which we wouldn't, have, okay, but that's also because the language has been used differently for us, but we wouldn't imagine that a chassid is higher than a tzaddik. But he's saying that al the Gemara, when the Gemara used the word chassid, the Gemara means that higher than a tzaddik who said He says, why? Because Chasidus is going above and beyond the letter of the law. The Chasid, you could be a tzaddik if you keep every detail of Halacha perfectly, but you don't try to go beyond that. A Chasid is always looking for more ways more better ways to serve Hashem. He does even what's, what's beyond what's required by law. He's always looking for what can I do that will be good in Hashem's eyes. Besides, obviously he has to keep, as Ravavi said on Shabbos, and we always repeat in every shir, you always hear these that, of course, there's no, there's no veering from halacha. But we, even within the confines of halacha, he's like, what would give Hashem even more nachas roch? What would give Hashem even more hanah more from my actions? kol Yanam ha even all physical uh, matters. and Yana even things that are perfectly permissible. They're a thing perfectly permissible. Like the famous Ramban at the beginning of Parashat Kedoshim right? Kaddish Atzmucha that even though right, a person technically could sit around all day eating, everything has the best heksher in the world. He could sit there fressing all day and he could do all kinds of things that are completely mutter. That's not what Hashem wants from us, right? Technically, you can't call him out. He didn't violate any halacha. This is talking about a uh, uh, chassid is the one who's always looking for what more can I do? I'm not I'm not satisfied with just the fact that I gave a dollar at chakras this morning. Uh, what else can I do for people? That's why the gemara says somebody wants to be a chassid. Everything that he does, even in his physical life, he wants to he wants to be mekadishit ulahalos and he wants to dedicate all of his he, even physical pleasures that he gets, he wants to dedicate it to Hashem. This is where Rabbi Yehuda said, "You have to be mekayim milad nezaken." So this is what he's saying now that Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda is being to us that even in things of neziken, which seems like the most inconsequential parts of halacha, like, okay, you have to pay damages, and okay, we have to know what the halacha is, but that's not mitzvah, right? It doesn't feel like that. Even those things that he's allowed to do, he's allowed to leave his thorns in his field, but he doesn't want to take the chance. Even though Mitzat Adin, he's not mechuyiv in them. To bury the thorns, three tochem. Nobody suffers because nobody else suffers. And even when it comes to Ovas, he wants to do more than he's required to do between him and himself. All the Midas that are taught in Mesechus Right, A lot of the things in, in Pirkei Ovas, it's not a halacha, they're not, they're not halachas, right? Uh, it's not a halacha. They have to be quiet. There's nothing wrong with talking, right? But a person who's learning of this means, I want to be better than just what the minimum requirements are. These are ways of life. Beyond the letter of the law, La somebody wants to be a Chassid, Umil the brachas, and by brachas he says also the It's also Besides, obviously, there are times you have to make brachas, and, and brachas that were required to make brachas. But who He goes beyond that. How he's always thinking, even when he's doing something that's just to give his physical body pleasure. He takes a cold drink. He wants to see how I, how can I lift that up to Hashem? Even those things that are optional, those things that he's allowed to do, he's trying to sanctify them for Hashem. So this is an interesting thing he points out. You could save it for the next time you have to speak at Sheva Brachas. He says when we have Sheva Brachas, we have Chasanim. says what? What's the first bracha of Sheva Brachas? So he sets this up for us. This is when a new couple is about to build a bias Nemon B'Yisrael this is a major event in, Yisrael, in the Shalshelis of Kal Yisrael this is the beginning of they're going to bring children into this world, they're going to continue the generations what's the first bracha that we make he says Hushakol we're reminding the Chas Kala, you're about to set out on your life and you're going to build your house and you're going to want nice furniture and you're going to want to do things for yourself and, and all that's great but remember, there's, everything has to be directed to one thing, that it's for the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if you remember that, then it's okay. Then get the nice furniture and then get the nice things, right? But if you remember, I've heard this from my Rebbe many times. He says, you know, that there are people, this is a line that I heard of, he says, there are people who like when they, when they buy a house, so like... All the husband and wife could talk about for like two months is like, what tiles are we going to get in the bathroom and what sinks? And he says, I'm, I'm very happy. Every Jew should have beautiful bathrooms. But the question is, Why? Right. In other words, if you you can aff- it's within your within your means, and you like nice things, and it's you feel like it's nice that the house, then it's perfectly fine. If that's what you're living for, so then you're forgetting this bracha that we first wished you when you stood on that achupa. called Bar Jews can have nice things. We should have nice things. Jews work hard for their money. They should enjoy. They should enjoy spending it. But the question is, what's the what's the? Are, are you doing it because? when we come into a nice house that we could host people in our house, we could do things, we can make a parlor meeting, we could we could do we could have people here for Sadaka. Then of course, then it's amazing, then it's beautiful, and of course you should have nice things. Is it because of your own go back to the shard that we talked about, because of my own arrogance, I want somebody else to come in and say, Oh, he has the nicest bathroom in the neighborhood? Or, right? So a person has to remember. Okay, bathrooms maybe, but cars maybe that's a more reasonable uh, thing to understand. But again, it's, it's always a question of perspective. You could have two people who bought the exact same thing, and if one did it he thought about Hashem the whole time, and he thanked Hashem, even if he's not doing it completely for Hashem's honor, but he thanked Hashem, and he recognizes that it's Hashem who gave it to him, and the other person did it because he wants, when he drives down the street, everybody should say, oh, look, he got a fancy car. So one's a shar, and one's, one's doing something, your question? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, 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 perspective. say perspective, maybe this is a psychiatric perspective, I think he's talking heavily, uh, in an understated way, about sexuality. There's definitely an element of it, Strongly. of course. Yes, Taiva is all... First of all, every, mench- every mention of Taiva, the fire of Taiva. Generally, Taiva uh, con- The word Taiva is all-encompassing. Any type of thing that I have a physical desire for. But generally, that's the primary one. Like whenever we talk about yos, the chuppah also. That everything right. The idea, even in a relationship between a husband and wife, the question is, is the goal so they can have children... Now, a husband and wife are allowed to take pleasure... In each other and in and in their relationship, but the purpose is to build a bais neeman in, in, in kol right? That's the so it, it's true with everything. It's true. This 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 flows through everything in our relationship with Hashem, right? so zeh de brachas. So He says this is what the idea of brachas is. Shal yidei brachas mal es kol That that also is. Um, uh, it lifts all the hanas up to Hashem, right? Which is, by the way, just, just to your point, we have Sheva Brachas, right? Before a husband and wife are going to form that union, we also have Brachas. There are Brachas. Not every Brachas is the way we pick up an apple and make a boy of pre but we have Brachas on everything. Every physical pleasure relates to Brachas because the idea is that we want to connect those to Hashem. Right? He's not... Um, the person who created, the one who created us, we want to have those hanos in the way that he wants us to. And that's why you have, in general, this is a little bit of a side point, but in every every hana, every pleasure that is forbidden to us, there's a corresponding pleasure that is permissible to us, right? Because Hashem wants us to enjoy the world, but in the right format and in the right way and in the right, under the right conditions. bikdusha where we recognize that it's Hashem and not just giving in to our base urges. Okay. Valderach zei ovis. Parsha zu. On this week's Parsha, so we mentioned at the beginning that the Parsha opens up with the story of the Evet Ivri. So now you're going to see how Chassid the reads Psukim the way you and I, with 100 years poring over this, would never have thought to read POSIC this way. And it's obvious, I always have to say this sometimes, when you speak and you have people who are somewhat Hasidically challenged, you know, they, but that's not what the Pasek says. He knew that that's not what the Pusik says and he read the Pusik the regular way also. But he's giving a little bit of a creative license and just, but just listen to how he reads the Pusik. He says, we said the Pusik starts, the Parsha starts off with the story of the Evet Ivri, right? The person who stole and he, ended up, he ends up getting sold and then we know that at one point what happens, he doesn't want to leave. After six years he's supposed to go free. He doesn't want to leave his master. So look, he says, Omar Evid. The Evid says, and I, I printed the, the Psukim at the bottom also, if you just want to see it in the format there, but he says, Omar Evid, a hafti I love my master. This is what the, I'm reading now the way the Pasuk, the simple Pshal of the Pasuk, as Ishti, my wife as Bane, right? Because we know that an Evid Ivri, one of the unique halachas of an Evid Ivri, even though he's a full Jew, he's a full-fledged Jew, when he sells himself into as an in Evid Ivri, or not when he sells himself, when Bezdin sells himself sells him into slavery. His master could, could, uh, marry him to a, uh, Kanani slave woman. And they could have, they could have children. Now, when he, when his term is up, he leaves, they stay. They're not cons- they belong to the, to the master. So this guy comes at the end of six years, time to go free. And we know the Gemara Kedush and Kedushan, Dafchav Beis tells us how well he had to treat inebet ivri. So, he had it pretty good there. He had it pretty good there. This is obviously a guy didn't have money because that's how he ended up in this mess in the first place. So he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to leave. He likes his wife. He likes his children. He likes his master. He's happy to stay. So he says he wants to stay. So, uh, so he says, he, that, so that's his statement. He has to say this statement, that I don't want to leave. I love them. He's saying three things that he loves. So now the Rebbe is saying, again, not Pashtun Pshat. But he's saying, when we say Evid, what's a true Evid? A true Evid right, is Moshe Rabbeinu was a true Eved. Eved is somebody who's a true Eved of Hashem. So I'm saying it the way the Pasuk says it, but if you would change the vowels in Adoini, it could be Hashem's name, right? The way we pronounce Hashem's name most of the time. So he says, So he, the way the Rebbe reads the Pasuk is the servant comes in, he's worked on his Avodis Hashem in the three ways we discussed. And he says, I love my master. I love Hashem, right? Es ishti vez banai. He says, then he says, Es ishti vez banai. Without getting into technical, we had this also about two weeks ago in Dafioimi. Es hu and tafel. Sometimes when the Torah uses the word es, it comes to tell me that the thing that comes after es is less significant than the thing that came before. It. He gives the example over there. It's so, a We learned there what, about a person going to the mikveh. How do you know that when you go to the mikveh, you have to make sure there's nothing in your hair? Right? Because it says over there that you have to, the Pasuk says, the es So so things that are, uh, we learn the S by Basar. It says that you have to the S tells me those things that are subordinate to, the, to, to one's flesh, which includes one's hair, right? It's not. A, nobody would say that their hair, I mean, okay, I've met a few people who go crazy about their hair, but most people wouldn't say their hair is as important as their flesh, right? So we see the word S can sometimes mean something that's less significant, less important. It says, He's saying, Ahavti esadoyni, meaning my physical life, my wife, my children, is less important to me than my love for Hashem. That's what this Eved is saying. That all of his things in the physical world are less beloved to him. He loves them, but they're less beloved to him than his love for Hashem. That's what the next passage says, that when this Eved comes in and says this, so the master has to bore a hole into his ear, Right? So Hashem, when a person makes this declaration that I don't love anything in this world as much as I love Hashem, so then Hashem says, I'm opening up your ears, unlimited. You're going to receive godliness like you've never imagined. And then it says that he'll serve him forever, which in the Passock means till Yevil. But here he's saying that then you'll be a servant of Hashem forever. With all things in this world. That a person who lives this way, then even all those physical things, even those physical pleasures, right, will also become part of his avodas Hashem. There is no distinction then for him between whether he's doing a mitzvah or whether he's eating dinner. It's all about serving Hashem. If he has this kind of attitude that he wants to give everything to Hashem, and that is accomplished with those three areas that we discussed. And, and, and what, 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 I, what I found amazing about this piece, and I hope you enjoyed it as well, is the way the, the Rebbe a gemara that we read the gemara you want to be a chassid learn avas learn Nezikin, and learn brachas but like didn't and he said this is a this is a way of serving hashem a person you want you want to be an Ever hashem think about your brachas think about your midas and think about not hurting anybody else and if you focus on those three areas you, 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 you know. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's a little bit. It's a little bit strange to say, but that's what Mishpatim is coming right after Yisra. That after Yisra, we had this tremendous revelation. That's when we started the thing. That it's very difficult for us that Mishpatim comes afterwards. We started with this with this unbelievable revelation. You could just imagine. I know how we feel when we come out of a Hashivenu davening Shabbos morning, right? You feel like you're on a high, like you're walking on clouds. Imagine what they felt like leaving Harsinai after they received the Torah and then they get these 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 very minute minutia type of rules hashem is telling them it's great to have those highs but make sure you don't hurt your friend make sure you're careful with your friend's money with your friend's honor with your friend's make sure that your friend doesn't need anything if you before you could sleep at night make sure that you don't you don't there's somebody else out there who doesn't need something it, which is hard but that's but that it all comes together you can't live life just on these high moments of flying by har Sinai and hearing the lightning and the thunder. The, the way to keep, hold on to that and to stay at that level of... We were probably all chassidim by by Mat- and Torah. You want to keep that level, you need to work on this type of stuff.